2: Vernon Gosney slipped who he thought was Ryan a note saying that he and a few others wanted to leave. He was torn between taking his son because he knew that his son might tell on him and the couple other people that were planning to do this.
0: That's so, That's, so so That's so fucked up presents. That's so fucked up presents. That's so fucked up presents
2: welcome back hi what's up you guys this is that so fucked up presents joneson for jonestown TSFU Presents is a spinoff series of That's So Fucked Up, a podcast about cults, murder, and other generally fucked up stuff. Each season, we dive into whatever the fuck I feel like over the course of a month. And this season, I've been breaking down the whole Jonestown debacle start to finish with one of my favorite co-hosts ever, and I've had a lot. Oh, God. I mean, because of all my spinoffs and everything, but also, it's been hard for me to find my pod wife. Aww And I think I did So I feel pretty good Shout out Allie
3: I'm so glad for you too I feel like I should Send you something From like Bed Bath & Beyond You know Although they're bankrupt Are they?
2: Oh shit Yeah no Every time I've gone into there
3: There's nothing there Go use your coupon if you still got one.
2: And I am your host, Ashley Richards. That's Don Brody. Hello. And this is Jones in for Jonestown. Did I already say that?
3: Worth saying again. It's a great title. Thank you. Title's so nice, you said it twice. Get
2: out of here, you witty little bitch. Oh, no, I can't. You witch. <laughs>
3: Maybe that's what
2: a witch is. A witty bitch. No, but I just called Teal Swan a witch and fuck her. Okay.
3: You feel so strongly. I'm not even going to Google it. I don't want that in my search history.
2: You don't need to give her the views. I already told you. Right. She's terrible. Okay.
3: Listen to the episode,
2: you guys, 140, if you're interested. Oh, okay. Teal Swan, aka The Suicide Catalyst. Ooh. Yeah. Trigger warning. But I mean, if that doesn't fucking tell you something right off the bat, then Mm Mm -hmm. Which actually is also a great segue into today's episode is called Drinking the Flavor-Aid. Because that's where we're headed. And despite common belief that it was Kool-Aid, it was actually Flavor-Aid.
3: I'm sure Kool-Aid would like us to clarify that. Because I would feel like if you were in charge of marketing for Kool-Aid, certainly at the time, you were like, it was fucking (laughs) Slavery! <laughs> Fuck! Totally. Like, cyanide was like, yeah, people know that's what we do. Our brand was just enhanced. Everyone's like, yeah. But Kool Aid didn't deserve that. <laughs> and like, especially because he was already kind of aggressive, like, he's already kicking in brick walls and being like, drink it. <laughs> <laughs> they had to really do some navel gazing over at the old kool-aid headquarters figure out what they were gonna do their branding was already <laughs> kind of aggressive they're like we need like, to soften this whole thing up <laughs> would you like some kool-aid and it's cool if you say no <laughs> <laughs> have kool-aid or don't was their slogan for about 10 years also have kool-aid or don't we don't care that's sort of a flavor thing <laughs>
2: <laughs> wink wink nudge nudge <laughs> is flavor still around
3: i doubt it because kool-aid <laughs> probably did the work to be like wow well they stayed around honestly i've never heard of flavor aid. like i know gatorade i know kool-aid i feel like flavor aid is made up maybe that's why jim jones got it real cheap in south america because <laughs> it was like a knockoff
2: he was on 70s amazon he's like okay so 90 gallons of kool-aid is 80 bucks flavor aid 20 dude yeah.
3: i feel like if you're <laughs> ever going to cut corners you know. it's going to be with your suicide beverage <laughs> They're not going to notice the difference. No. Although if you're ever going to spend money and splurge on something good, you know, what are you saving your money for?
2: We're coming in hot with the comedy because we're about to bum you guys out. Yeah, (laughs) sorry.
3: This isn't funny. It's not funny. It's all very tragic, but we laugh at the absurdity, not the tragedy. Exactly. So
2: that we can be educated without then going into a deep hole of existential depression about (laughs) what are we even doing in this world? It's terrible, Right. Sure. Save that for another day. Okay, Don?
3: There's lots of feel-good self-help podcasts.
2: Yeah, this is not that. Although, big advocate for taking medication oh. if you need it and it's doctor-prescribed and everyone should go to therapy. Get thee to your happiness.
3: Waste no time getting happy. Oh,
2: yeah. That's just a PSA from us. Absolutely. Let's wrap this bananas story up. If you don't know what that's in reference to, that means that you haven't listened to the last episode of the episode previous to
3: that. They just wanted to to jump in they were like okay four-parter on jones they're gonna kill him at the end i'm just gonna skip to the bloodbath that's okay if that's you be happy but you're missing some wonderful context
2: you know what because we're not gonna tell you about bananas
3: only those who listened to the previous episode get the banana reference that's what they get it's their reward you're
2: welcome listeners who have stuck with us through this deep dive
3: chances are if they're here for part four they're like "Mm, give it to me ashley yeah Ashley, like, I like it. Mm,
2: mm. Okay, thank you so much. But also, can I just tell you something? Oh, no. Because I think they probably
3: like you, too. Oh, God. I hope so. I mean, if they hate my guts, that'd be rough. But I'm. it's nice. Hi, you guys. Hi, you guys. I like you, too. I'm really glad to be here.
2: If you're not listening to Don Brody On Health That's her podcast So she's on it
3: Come fuck with me sometimes
2: She fucks history I fuck it It's awesome
3: I fuck it with Ashley sometimes In a couple weeks She's gonna
2: give it to me good mm. With the Titanic We are going down, girl uh, we all go down
3: together mm. June 21st, part one, drops
2: Just like we know the ending to this story mm-hmm. We still absolutely need to know the fucking beginning because- yeah. What led to this mastering king of the Flavor Aid? Well, some banana stuff again that you don't get to know about unless you go listen to the previous episodes. And where we left off was with Jones fleeing to Guyana in South America in 1977 after sending most of his congregation there from different states to try to keep things a little bit under the radar. So, so it was like you know, upwards of 600 people. I don't know. It's kind of hard to keep track of numbers of, you know, people coming and going when there's like a thousand almost, but something like that. And he
3: got that bad press in the United States. They wrote that incendiary article about what he was actually doing down there. He probably sniffed an arrest or at least a very unfun investigation coming his way.
2: Oh, yeah. So he was, all right, we got to go. There's a nuclear holocaust coming here and shit. You guys, it's fucked in America. Us against them. Let's go. So everybody gets there and settlement is totally overwhelmed by issues such as lack of basic resources, whatever, just food and water and shelter and bedding and rest. Yeah. You know, any of that. Jones was exercising ultimate control over every aspect of their lives and speaking or playing his voice to them 24 hours a day while also telling them that America had become so damaged that even if they wanted to, they could not return. To be fair, he did start not feeling great because he was doing a bunch of fucking drugs or like taking a lot of medication or well, whatever. And his wife, Marceline, did at some point say, it's OK, you guys, you can work eight hours a day, <laughs> right. five days a week. Good news. Which I still think is too much. Let's get a federal four day work week, you guys.
3: It's fair. But also, what do you do when you're not working? It's not like you have a lovely hammock to lay in or a library. To- to go read books or a TV to watch or a game to play when you're not working you're probably just sitting on a pile of dirt watching everybody else work.
2: Okay, well I was more thinking about me to be honest.
3: (laughs) Like a pile of dirt actually laying on a pile of dirt sounds Because I was thinking
2: well one day to play so you know maybe get some of the other peeps together for a game of volleyball in the shade if Mm, possible. One day to rest so find a pile of dirt in the shade. Just chill on. Yeah, I guess there's no books or anything normally in my living now life my day of nothing is usually watching tv so i don't know how i would handle just laying there with all my thoughts
3: well they're not your thoughts I would imagine that part of what Jim Jones is trying to do is go ahead and get your thoughts out of there so that his thoughts can get in there. And that means you got to listen all the time, work all the time and have not a lot of self reflection.
2: <laughs> I would actually just be listening maybe in some shade, but there'd be like a fucking loudspeaker above Yuck. my head with Jones like, well, uh, uh, paradise is here. Well, nuclear holocaust is there. Uh, uh, uh you know, whatever. Mm. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. God. All that.
3: And you'd be like, I get that you're telling me that there's a concentration camp in my future, but I gotta be honest. I'm looking around and I'm kind of seeing a concentration camp, Jim. In my present. So. I'm not eating. I can see my ribs, sleeping on dirt, yelled at all the time. I'm starting to wonder if maybe I didn't sign up for this.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> you guys, it was really fucked up. Bad.
3: It's not funny. Oh, and these poor people really have no choice. I mean, ugh. I think about how scary and painful. The realization must have been because it was probably a slow, really painful realization. You know, especially these leaps of faith and moving to a place like this is a leap of faith. And as we all know, especially for those of us who have had therapy, yas, leaps of faith are not definitively bad. Leaps of faith, like everything in our lives, it depends on the context whether or not it's a good idea or a bad idea or something that's going to save you or something that's going to harm you. But like a leap of faith is a big deal. And the whole point is A lot of people around me might think this isn't a great idea. I might even have voices in my head saying, you can't, you can't, you can't, and you shouldn't, you shouldn't. But at some point, I just need to open my arms and take it. Unfortunately, that is the argument behind a lot of really great leaps of faith. Start that business, you know, or leave that abuser or whatever. Those are leaps of faith that are like, yeah, you have to do it. But a leap of faith can also be, I trust him. He has some of the best politicians in the state supporting him. You know, he sent my son to college and he speaks the word of God and I'm going to take a leap of faith and follow him into paradise, right? Then you're sitting there going, the slow realization has to be among the hardest things. Oh, no. Oh, no. I made a terrible mistake.
2: Oh, oh, Because it's not like you just took a leap of faith and followed this dude from, you know, L.A. to the desert of Ohio or whatever. You know, like when somebody else starts a cult, you know, you're in fucking South America yeah. with no fucking passport. Ugh. So the slow realization, not only did you take that metaphorical leap of faith, but you took a giant old leap on a plane across the fucking, I don't know, you know, I don't know how geography works. So I'm not gonna go into that. And yeah, you're having this slow realization that book, what if you have a fast realization, like oh, you get there immediately right. and you are like, fire Fest, turn this bus around right now. Amen. And nobody's turning the bus around. Yeah, things are not great. Not great. And when we get back, we're going to talk about when things go from bad to worse, you're finally going to hear a little bit about that fucking Flavorade. If you were in the jungle, I mean, not laced with cyanide, you know, you'd be dying to have a cup. But Unfortunately... There's no fun juice that's just, you know, death free for anybody in this fucking jungle. Oh, so-, so, we'll be right back. Mm-hmm We're back. And now... Oh. We're going to start talking about white night drills. It sounds fun. Like white night, maybe it has to do with Christmas, you Mm -hmm. know. No, not at all. These were ritual suicide drills that started sometime around mid 1978. He would wake people up at midnight and ask them to drink cups of Flavor-Aid that they were told was poisoned. And he said that this was a test of their faith and loyalty. He had been threatened by a custody battle over one of the children that he'd fathered with a former temple member who had defected. Oh. She was starting a court battle in the U.S. to try to get custody back of her son who was living with Jones in his cabin in Guyana. He realized that if she won the court battle, it would mean a good possibility that all the children in Jonestown could be taken away and back to the U.S. by parents that had not come to Guyana. So he used this message to incite his followers Lying and telling them that Guyanese military that were in cahoots with America would any day now be storming the temple to remove all of the children and all members had to be ready to act.
3: Yikes. And again, in terms of like going through the checklist of bad fascist strongmen, one of the repeated factors throughout history is taking a small grievance of their own and projecting it as a threat that is hanging over the entire congregation.
2: Oh, I didn't know that.
3: I mean, it is something that the far right extremists are doing now you know they're coming to arrest all of us you know they won't let any of us speak they can do that to them they can do it to you you know i mean obviously what jim jones was saying was much more overt than implied but it's often a thing it's like you all have a stake in my very personal grievance right
2: yeah i've actually never thought of it that way either but loving the knowledge i got the vision of the star The rainbow. The more you know. know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're with me. People in their 20s are like, what what are you talking about? I
3: don't understand. The more you know what. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The the more you know about what. TV used to pretend that it wanted to teach us things.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It was like, you guys, mass suicide is bad and Kool Aid is good. The more you know. (laughs) So Jones's health, as I said, had started to deteriorate from the heavy drug use. I'm sure that, is it bad if I say that I feel like there's a good chance you would have access to good cocaine if you knew the right people in south america
3: i think knowing the right people regardless in des moines iowa knowing the right people in Juneau, alaska that's just the only way to get cocaine is to know the right people so i would think so (laughs) well done i mean right knowing the wrong people will get you nothing i'll tell you that (laughs) You go to like H&R Block and I'm like, anyone in here have any cocaine? They're going to be like, I'm sorry. No.
2: Yeah. So I'm not going to lie, you guys. I'm not an expert on where they produce the best cocaine or. Oh, yep, No. Hold on. Colombia, Peru and Bolivia.
3: Oh, yeah. Colombia is right next door because Guyana is like in the northwest, like top tippy top of South America. And Colombia, I believe, is just west of it. Is that right?
2: I don't know, dude. I was just going to be super impressed if you fucking knew geography,
3: too. Thought you Googling. Thought maybe you'd be looking. Oh, no, I mean, I could. But it's a short flight. What I'm saying is it's not a long flight from like Florida to get to Guyana. That much I know. Or from
2: Colombia or Peru.
3: Yeah. I think Colombia is right next to
2: it. So hold on. South America map. What's Google's like, you know,
3: sure, can help. Should be at like the north.
2: Yeah. It's like Guyana and then Venezuela and then Colombia. Mm-hmm. So, in case anybody was wondering, maybe you could get some good Coke there. That's my point. And I feel like Jones would sure fucking be a Cokehead, oh, yeah. you know, just oh, yeah rambling on and on for hours with like really important things to say
3: there's probably a whole cocktail going on there
2: oh 100 i mean maybe just legally prescribed meth
3: if buddy can get whatever he's about to tragically give to his people straight poison and that was not a problem i suspect that it's not a big leap to go ahead and get yourself the fun drugs
2: Right. So I think that he was using a crazy mixture, which was obviously leading to a decline in his health, but also in his mental state. Like, I'm sure he's getting, I don't know if y'all have ever been on a night of cocaine, but I have. And believe you me, I believed what I had to say all night was very important. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. And didn't feel great the next day. Mm. Also, at the end of the night, when you're coming down, you know, there's a little shadow on the wall. Oh, paranoia you know so i'm just saying it is not surprising that he's kind of going down this road with the fact that he's using a heavy combination of drugs because also
3: let's not forget dude that he might be paranoid about a lot of stuff that's not happening but shit is happening he's getting sued and subpoenaed and like custody orders he's lying and obviously embellishing but he's also a paranoid dude who's kind of in danger of it all falling apart
2: yeah you're actually right because there is grounds for paranoia like he
3: knows it's not good he doesn't have the resources he can't sustain this even if there wasn't an outside threat and then now there is an outside threat sometimes you're paranoid cuz everyone's out to get ya
2: <laughs> you know what i mean but i'm sure that's heightened when you're on cocaine or whatever oh, yeah. that not calm me down a- <laughs> He also had a doctor that would smuggle in prescription drugs, so... Super. I'm sure he was on all the uppers and all the downers. Fantastic. And, you know, you, you got to do one to balance out the other. Yeah. It's-
3: Judy Garland, Jim Jones, everybody.
2: Okay, you know what, though? You guys, listen to 135 fucked up film sets. The Wizard of Oz ruined Judy
3: Garland's life. I'm I'm so sad about that. You know, I it does make me very sad.
2: Like, her being in that movie, yeah. they treated her so horribly that... Yeah, the that-
3: fat shaming and so bad body issues and stay up and go to sleep. It's so bad.
2: Yeah. And so oh, and what's not mentioned in the episode that I found out later was that the snow was asbestos. Oh, God. Just like one of the many things that was really awful about that set. But Judy Garland did end up saying that being in The Wizard of Oz ruined her fucking life. And then she had a really tragic death, which I won't tell you guys about. But
3: it's it's a sad story. I'm so sorry.
2: It's a really bummer story. Yeah.
3: She's such a ray of light in this world. It, it makes it a double tragedy.
2: Yeah. Jim Jones, on the other hand. Big turd all the way around. Not a big light in the world. And, you know... <laughs> People were being whiny assholes and bugging him about silly things like food and water. Yeah. I can't eat. Oh, I'm so thirsty. So he was claiming to his followers that he had cancer and was going to die to like, get them off his back. Okay. They didn't want to upset a sick man. Sure. Especially a sick prophet.
3: Sure. Those are the worst ones to upset, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So they're like, yeah, I'm thirsty, but he has cancer. You know, I don't want to so. bug him. He's dying.
3: Exactly. Also, I don't need to worry because if he's dying, I can just probably let this go. It's all going to resolve itself fairly soon.
2: Because I'm dying of dehydration. Right. <laughs> when we get back from this commercial break, we will talk more about the white night drills and what was to come politically, etc. <laughs> okay gang we're back so jones started to talk more and more about ritual suicide and continued to hold frequent white Night drills sometimes in midday like hey i have some of this right now drink it right now
3: and you never knew if it was real i mean but nobody had been poisoned yet i mean apparently nobody had actually died yet
2: no so you know you have a bunch of these and Okay, boy, who cried wolf. He likes to pretend
3: know. this, okay.
2: Right. Also, I would be fucking dying for a cup of Flavor-Aid in the middle of the day. Sure. I'm just thinking about when I'm just way too hot and how it's made me feel super nauseous and extreme heat and then pile on dehydration can make you feel just so fucking sick. Yeah. So I'm just like thinking about how awful these people must be feeling physically, just constantly, not to mention if you're somebody who has anxiety, even if you're not, it's probably through the fucking roof, which often results in physical symptoms. This has to be literal hell on earth, physically, mentally, emotionally. And then you're in the desert sweating to death with the literal devil um, metaphorically poking you in the fucking ass with his pitchfork as he's womp want whining at you all fucking day, you know, consistently holding murder over your head. Because if somebody else is making the call, hey, guys, this might or might not be murder juice, but drink it anyways, it doesn't feel super a lot like your choice. Mm. No Also I would welcome death At this point If I did not feel That there was any escape
3: You know It's gotta be part Of the psychological trauma Right I mean if he Was saying to them After he gave them Poison Said drink this It's poison Then they realize it's not And he says That was a gift I gave you Now you know How to face death There have to be A certain number of people That yeah Were having that realization Like man When I realized I wasn't gonna die I was kind of bummed out When I realized That I had to wake up Again tomorrow And start this whole Stupid shit all over again my heart broke. One of the things he revealed to me is the peace that death can bring. So there probably was some sort of grooming involved. See, when you faced it, you probably had at least a partial feeling of like, well, I'm gonna die anyway, right?
2: And he's like, I know I said this was paradise, but I lied. This is hell on earth. It's to test you and we're going to go to paradise after this. I'm sure that was part of this fucking bullshit spiel.
3: You're going to be dragging me out of this world, kicking and fucking screaming, no matter any age.
2: Oh, no, I'm the opposite. Like whenever I watch a horror movie, as soon as a killer breaks into the house, I'm like, I'd jump out of the fucking window, whether that would kill me or not. I'd be too scared.
3: Oh, fuck. every
2: time I told you, like, I'm a whiny fucking bitch. I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> I don't like this. I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I, w- I might do something stupid and die too, but it would be in an effort to live. You know what I mean?
2: No, for me, I would just be like, this is way too scary. <laughs>
3: <laughs> take it, take me up. I don't like this at all. Take me up. I mean, the exception is stuff like inevitable death, you know, Independence Day scenario where the big old spaceship is over the Empire State Building and that hot twat ran up there with the welcome aliens sign. And yeah. then she's like the first one to get vaporized. <laughs> That's me, too. (laughs) I'm not up there because I want to die, though. I'm up there because I'm like, hey, y'all, let us introduce you to Star Wars and pistachios. You're going to love it here. You know, and then I get vaporized. I don't want that, but I accept that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, actually, a friend of mine once was like, hey, could you not say that your escape from every scenario would be just to fucking fuck it and jump out the window?
3: Well, and let me share this with you too, Ashley. The problem with jumping out the window is you might be in like a two and a half story ranch style house. And now you're not dead. Like you're just laying out there with a broken leg, <laughs> like stuck in a window box. <laughs> well, you get to listen to him killing your friends upstairs. Like, I don't know what you think you saved yourself from. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to illuminate you on this fact, but like jumping out a window, it's sort of like when people in movies hit a bad guy over the head with a vase and they're just knocked unconscious.
2: (laughs) That makes me so mad. It's like, kill them beat them to death. You need to watch them
3: die. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Oh, what yeah. are
2: you guys doing in those scenarios in movies? It's Or even just crazy. assuming that you,
3: you haven't just really pissed off somebody whose back was turned to you. Like you could have, like maybe, you, anyway, we can, we can, we can work out, we can work out <laughs> <how> Hollywood scenarios. <laughs> I'm just saying that like, yeah, for sure. A lot of us would be like, well, I just like to not experience that pain, fear, and discomfort. Okay. I would, thank you. I would that's, rather not. That's and where course, we were. We all would say, yeah, no, this pain, fear, and discomfort. Can I not do that? And of course- <laughs> (laughs) We all sort of take a hot minute to be like, can I get out of this? Can I not do this?
2: I'm sure everybody knows I've had a lot of bipolar people, suicide overdoses in my life. So I don't take suicide fucking lightly. Let me just throw that out there right now. I don't think that's ever the fucking answer. I just am saying that that's always like my immediate. I'm like, no, this is really scary. I don't like it. Although I think I actually do think that but it's a
3: survival mechanism, Ashley. Yeah. I think for me, if it really happened,
2: a survival instinct would kick Mm -hmm. in. I think that's what happens for most people. Yeah.
3: yeah, fight or flight is both of those are trying to save your life. Even if one of them leads to death, the instinct of fight or flight is the end is the same. They both want to live another day. That's,
2: you know. I'm not fighting anybody and winning, though.
3: And if your flight, though, is out the window, what I'm saying is, <laughs> A, you might still have to fight, but now you have to fight with a broken leg. Shit. A rake in your ass because you <laughs> jumped into a garden shed.
2: You know what, Dawn? I don't like the presumption that I wouldn't have thought it out a little bit, but I wouldn't have. So it's
3: okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't appreciate the presumption, however accurate.
2: It may have been. So he's real hot on these white night drills that sometimes happen during the day because those are the same thing. And he also started to talk to his followers about possibly moving the temple to Russia to live among the socialists there because maybe communism. No, what was it?
3: It's communism.
2: He's been into socialism this whole time, right? Like that's his jam. I suspect. What he's been saying is his jam.
3: Hitler was socialist. So yeah, like I said, all of these ideas taken to a crazy extreme. Have and can be used by horrible individuals to enact awful deeds. But yeah, it doesn't surprise me that he was looking for a socialist communist refuge because, I mean, the lines in the sand at that point, the, the 70s, the only shit anyone really cares about, more than religion, more than race, is democracy versus communism and socialism. So it makes sense. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh
2: okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Cold War shit, man.
3: The Cold War is post-World War II until the Berlin Wall comes down in 1989, give or take. Have you done an episode on that? Not yet. I I'm really... Not
2: yet. Maybe you have to have me back sometime if nobody asks
3: Mm -mm. about that.
2: Let's do it. Okay, so he was like, let's fuck off to Russia. It's not great here, you guys. And they're like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. So he had some of his followers trying to contact people in Russia to see if the temple members would be allowed entry there. But this never, obviously this never panned out. But it was an idea that was tossed around. Sure.
3: It would have been a nice embarrassment for democracy, too. I doubt it actually went anywhere. But if the Russians in 1978 could say that there were American citizens that were choosing to go to Russia to live a freer life, that would have been an excellent piece of propaganda. So I can see how that may have been discussed or an idea, but I'm not surprised it didn't work out. (laughs)
2: He's like, this would be pretty good for you guys, too. Just saying. So I'm sure a lot of you had heard of Congressman Leo Ryan. He's the one who kind of really did do his best to go save the day. Back to when the first New West article about Jones was published, many other outlets started to investigate and publish their own stories about Jones and the People's Temple. A group of former members and relatives of people in Jonestown named the Concerned relatives group began to mobilize. They were discovering that they couldn't any longer reach any of their family members at all and had fucking no idea if they were okay or if they were safe or anything. Because as I said, all of the mail was being screened and often just not even sent. So they began to reach out to the government officials for help. And the Guyanese U.S. ambassador visited the settlement and reported back that everyone there was happy and that the concerns were unfair.
3: Okay. Kind of like, uh, where's the Miss uh, Miscavige gal, right? She's Where fine. the fuck is Shelly? Where's Shelly? Shelly. Oh, she's been playing pickleball all morning. She'd love to come to the door, but she's exhausted from her massage and she's just eating too well and too well rested to possibly answer the door.
2: <sighs> and thank you, Dawn, because that's a really great opportunity for me to- oh, Plug, 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 plug. Plug. <laughs> plug blog blog my new segment with apostate alex from youtube ash and alex do scientology a weekly breakdown of scientology which as we all know is fucking insane you guys you really don't even know so tune into that shit and we'll be right back Okie doke. We're back. So obviously the Guyanese U.S. ambassador was fucking duped when he visited. So Congressman Leo Ryan, who was the congressman of California's 11th district, got wind of the family members' concerns.
3: And he's a Democrat too. I only point that out, not for any sort of contemporary political context, but Mm -hmm. because it was Democratic politicians that were funding that Jim Jones was so cozy with. It's just one of those things, you know what I mean, was Democratic politicians in California that he was giving a lot of money to and that were previously giving him a lot of cover. I don't know if this particular guy, Leo Ryan, was necessarily involved in that, but it seems like sort of a unique thing to 1975 that's not, or 1978 that's not necessarily present right now, which is everybody looking for the angle that makes their party look better than the other party or to cover their party's transgressions. So you know what I mean? You could see how like a Democratic politician wouldn't be particularly interested in going all the way there and pursuing this guy who's associated with them. He's a Democratic donor. He's a big big time democratic donor that they're going to like hunt down and say we were mistaken he was a bad guy even though we took his money you know what i mean i don't know yeah. it's just worth the context because i think sometimes today we would see it being either the other way where uh, they might just not pursue it because it would make them look bad to have been associated with him before or that it would be a republican senator who was going and in part to go after these crazy extremist democrats do you know what i mean I, it's interesting that that shade of politics isn't on this part of the story it's kind of interesting
2: well well, on. you know what else is interesting? Tell me. <laughs> is I am generally so wary of politicians and like, mm, I think maybe like 10% of you have good intentions sure. to uh, like change things, make them better and stuff. But he was really famous for pursuing justice he actually had once committed himself to Folsom State Prison to see if allegations of prison abuse there were true
3: yeah word you don't have to go do that right or no i mean well certainly you know it's obviously not so simplistic there's there's good and bad everything i mean it's like teachers cops can fucking be the best and the worst thing i mean you know they're all they're as they're as varied as human motive, and no individual is all good or bad either i'm sure that no, as totally. soon as you and i are like leo ryan good guy died like a hero some cunt's gonna be like oh yeah well he groped a girl in 74 you're I like was gonna all right say, uh, fine he- fucking you know what i mean everybody's complex
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh he was actually a serial rapist all right fuck that's not not so great (laughs)
3: great. (laughs) he was not by the way we're not saying he was a serial rapist
2: oh gee whiz uh no no (laughs) golly no in may of 1978 a former people's temple member escaped from jonestown and guyana
3: amazing.
2: Which I don't even know how the fuck she did that. That's amazing. Yeah. When she landed back in the US, she immediately informed authorities that suicide plans for the temple in Jonestown were in place and that the cyanide they planned to use had been purchased and shipped. Oh, my God. Yeah. So no good.
3: Girl got the scoop and got the fuck out of there. She got the
2: scoop and it was real bad. So Congressman Ryan traveled with a delegation that included members of his staff, family members of some of the people in Jonestown and some media. Straight on down to Guyana because he's like, this is fucked. We got to try to stop this or really find out what the fuck's going on. And a
3: lot of these people had been, I'm guessing, his constituents. I mean, at least some of them must have been. For him to be personally involved, there must have been like a connection to his district. Uh,
2: the 11th district is the San Francisco Bay Area. So, right. They would have been his constituents. This is obviously something that is close to his heart or his politics because Jones had been quite prominent in that fucking area. Right, you know? right, right. He was the housing authority dude or whatever. He kind of had some power and shit. Yikes. Jackie Spire, who was one of Ryan's most trusted staff members, reported in her novel that they spent several days in Guyana trying to get Jones to allow them to come to Jonestown to view the settlement. When they got there he was just like, no, you can go ahead and fuck off. There's no reason you people need to be here. Sure.
3: Well, he's doing a bunch of creepy shit there. <laughs> he doesn't want them to see it.
2: Yeah, no, totally.
3: If you saw what I was doing in here, you'd fucking freak out and I don't want you to come in here and see all the creepy shit we're doing.
2: So let me try to do like, just a few days intense rehearsal with my 900 people crew about like what exactly to say when they get here, how How to act. He's like, we're going to give them the old razzle dazzle. You know, look over here while we plan a mass suicide over there kind of thing. Yikes. They make it fucking look all nice, you know, and shit. They literally rehearsed over and over again. Don't say you're against America. They were lined up and quizzed on what to say. Oh, yeah, no, like I love America, but it's just super fucking dope here and having a great time. Mm -hmm blubbity blue.
3: But that's the weird part is that you can smell a weird repetition. I mean, we all get it. You talk to 50 different people and they choose the same 15 words out of our hundreds of thousands of words of vocabulary and they, all of them are saying, I love America but, and you're like, ah, that's kind of weird. Everybody here just loves America but.
2: Oh, it's a but. And on November 17th, 1978, Jones finally gave them the go-ahead to come in, but didn't guarantee that they'd let anyone except Ryan and his Aiden. He's like, okay, look, you guys can come in, but just that fucking guy. Mm-hmm. Everybody else can fuck off. We
3: can overpower you two. Right.
2: Once allowed into Jonestown, the congressman started to interview members who all, no fucking way, reported to be really happy there. Sure. Jackie Spire said that this was because there were temple guards and leaders that stood near them, you know, just kind of casually mm-hmm. during every conversation. Just, you know, listening to make sure that they didn't say anything out of line. The delegation was fed good food, unlike any of the members ever. And members of the temple put on a concert for entertainment. Wow,
3: this reminds me a lot of like the people who go visit North Korea, where they're like, "No, you can't come in. No, you can't," and then you come in, and they're shown Three places where everyone's
2: having a blast. Ew. Oh my God. That's really creepy. Yep. At the end of the evening, Congressman Ryan publicly addressed the crowd and said that though he'd had his doubts, he had come to realize that, quote, people are really enjoying it here. And according to Spire, the delegation slept in Jonestown for the night. So eventually they let everybody in. They're like, all right, you guys can come in. I guess they probably cleared out a few cabins. So, like, look, there's 20 of you in here tonight. Yeah. We need to put two of them in that one. And and before the festivities had ended and everyone had gone to bed vernon gosney slipped who he thought was ryan a note saying that he and a few others wanted to leave mm-hmm. which was obviously a really fucking sketch and scary thing to do and this is so sad he was torn between taking his son because he knew that his son might tell on him and the couple other people that were planning to do this Ugh. like how fucking sad is that
3: yeah and like another playbook to turn families against each other to create an atmosphere of you know talking, sharing, telling, dishing you know turning people in proving you're a believer the key way to elevate yourself is to crucify someone else so painful. That's just one of those things that really
2: gets you you know. Yeah so he tries to pass this note and unfortunately it wasn't Ryan but a reporter and the reporter I guess didn't realize that they were like hey help us or whatever. I don't know why but He drops the note and a kid, because they be telling, yelled, he passed a note. (sighs) But Gosney said that the guy had just dropped a piece of paper and that he was handing it back to him. You guys, right now, Dawn has her hands over her mouth, like appropriately, because it's scary as fuck.
3: The pins and needles of knowing the stakes of what you've just done. And as long as I don't drop it, as long as he doesn't drop it, I won't get, you know.
2: (laughs) It has to happen correctly. And if not the stakes are who the fuck even knows, you know. And on that note, I'm going to let y'all just take a breath. Us two. And we'll be right back. All right. So the next morning, more people started to come to Ryan's team members and asking them to take them away from Jonestown. Mm Mm-hmm. Ryan confronted Jones and asked about those who wanted to leave. Jones's response was, they're all liars. Jones begged some of the people not to go, but they didn't listen and attempted to leave anyway. He can be seen in a documentary asking the congressman to just, quote, leave them alone. Mm -hmm. He's like, they're liars. They don't want to leave. Leave them alone. You're being a dick. Mm-hmm. So people started to get on the trucks that would lead back to the airstrip to go home. Mm-hmm. And you can see documentary footage of families being ripped apart as this is happening. Kids are being taken away from one parent by the other. Other people are jumping on the small truck. It's just absolute chaos. Yikes. And so many people originally tried to get on the same truck that they were stuck in the mud. Mm. Like they couldn't go anywhere. Because people were like, oh my god, this is my one fucking chance. As they got on the truck, a member pulled out a knife and tried to stab Congressman Ryan, likely at Jones's behest. At the airstrip in nearby Port Kaituma, the delegation had to call for an additional plane. They had originally come in a plane that was only big enough for the congressman, some of the press and his team, and as the second plane arrived and started to be loaded, a tractor pulling a wagon pulled up. Men with assault rifles, obviously sent by Jones, started to fire at everyone on the tarmac. <sighs> Some people ran into the jungle and escaped. Spire hid behind a plane wheel, but was shot five or six times at close range and Jeez. incredibly fucking survived. Amazing. And Congressman Ryan was shot and died on the landing strip. So, a total of five people were killed at the landing strip, nice. including Congressman Ryan, three journalists, and one of Jonestown's defectors. So
3: so scary.
2: This is the time where it's like hard to make jokes because you're like, this is just really bad. (laughs) It's
3: still absurd. But yeah, no, it's not funny. And you kind of at this point in a story with a personality like Jim Jones, you lose the thread of trying to figure out why and like what his motivations are. We know with the benefit of history going to commit suicide and convince others to commit mass suicide. So why the pursuit of these people, Like, was it punishment? Like, We want to punish you for running away from us. Were they still thinking thinking we can't let the word get out like we have to kill everybody so that they don't report the truth but then why would he care if they were reporting the truth if he was going to kill himself and everybody in a matter of moments but this is why it's a mystery it's just a puzzle why and then why would these individuals were they ready to kill themselves too and if so then how can the last thing you do before you die be this revenge act i don't know it just sort of indicates the depth of the painful sort of manipulation and brainwash and darkness that they had obviously been living in and with for years. I mean they were living out there for oh, years,
2: right? Years. Oh my god. When I didn't know the case really well, I was hoping it was just like a few months or something, you know, mm-hmm. and then I learned that it was years of this literal torture. Mm. And yeah, it ended really fucking violently. And I think it's so hard to know that because like how do you dissect crazy? How do you talk to a crazy person, you know? You can't make sense to them. Sure.
3: And even if you're looking He's- at like flawed law- This isn't even flawed logic. And then who knows what the drugs are telling him, you know? Oh, yeah. I think he's
2: just completely lost the fucking plot. And back at the compound, word reaches him what happened at the airstrip. So he gathers all of his followers together and tells them that now no one will let them leave Jonestown in peace and that the government will be after them to arrest them all. Mm. So he's still twisting the narrative. He's like,
3: my punishment is our punishment, right? They're not going to come arrest these people. They're going to come arrest him. He's He is in danger. He's the only one in actual danger.
2: Well, they're probably going to like arrest me and kill you guys in the process. He says at one point, I've laid down my life practically. I've practically died every day to give you peace and you still not have any peace. Mm. He's like, you know, I have nothing more to give you guys. Mm. I've tried my fucking hardest every single day to bring you all peace and I just can't do it it. So this is the only way. Yikes. Why? I, I don't know. Some people thought it was an exercise because obviously they had so many of them. Yeah,
3: they also know the stakes are high. People were just dabbing a senator as they raced away in a car with a bunch of people who had screamed and taken their children. I mean, I have a hunch they knew this might not be a drill.
2: Right. But mind you, there's 900 people. Like, this has to be absolute chaos. You're like, what is actually sure. going on? You know? Ugh. And people quickly, I think, though, realize that it is not an exercise. This is is not a drill because this time armed guards are surrounding the entire congregation which is a first. Mm. They always felt like you know they couldn't just like leave the sermon sure. when they felt like it but now you really can't leave yeah. today's Jones talk. There is some discussion about what is to happen. One member Christine Miller asks to be able to choose her own destiny and not to die by ritual suicide and the rest of the temple loudly shoots down her ideas is. Are you fucking kidding me? So people are pretty in for the mass suicide. I
3: actually, years ago for a a distant project, I listened to like the two hours of recording because Jim Jones had a tape recorder under his seat and you can hear everything he says to the congregation and everything they say to him. And they do. He says he's convincing them and they are making arguments for and against. And it's not exactly free. I mean, like you said, it's not like you can walk out of here. It. There's a ton of choice. But I remember that. I also remember a woman saying at one point, I'm totally down. I've signed up for this and I've signed up to die with you. Like, I'll be first in line. But can we spare the children? And he says, no. I mean, it's intense and it's really tr- troubling.
2: There is, you know, some debate. Some people are like not super into this. And I'm guessing during these white Night drills that he really drilled it into their heads that they were definitely in danger and the only way out into actual peace and this actual, you know, paradise that. He's promised is through this manner. So actually, he was kind of the fucking original. I don't know. Sorry, I guess it's just because I did an episode on her and I think she's kind of the devil. He was like the original teal swan because she's called a suicide catalyst because she has said really controversial things like suicide is a reset button and it's like fucking awesome, paraphrasing slightly at the end. She's really made cases for like why it's a good thing. So again, cult leader stealing a page out of a cult leader's book because I think that they were like we're fucked if we go back home we're fucked here we've been here for a couple years this obviously isn't working out so at this point vats of cyanide laced flavor aid are brought out and parents are told to bring their children forward first Mm -hmm. which they do and a lot of them at their own behest or whatever but some people absolutely were forced to give the poison to their babies or their children when they absolutely didn't want to oh it's
3: awful it's just the worst worst most painful part for me of this whole story it was, and it's psychological too because the, the reason why you make them give it to their own children first is because there's no way they do that and don't do it themselves
2: oh absolutely you know actually this is a really heartbreaking part so uh you know
3: oh it's so hard it's just the worst
2: trigger warning parents who wanted to die with their child or children children. children are allowed to take their poison first as well. Mm -hmm. If the mom's like, look, I want to go with them, then they're allowed to like do it as a family. Otherwise, they have to kill the child first. Oh,
3: God. So bad
2: you know and on this documentary and in tapes like dawn said you can hear jones telling the children that they won't feel pain if they're quiet and behave oh that it's just like going to sleep
3: oh my god it's just awful it's so bad i hate it so much see this is why like i love history can hang out in dark history for a hot minute girl but these are the parts man i god a lot of these fucks yeah
2: One of his followers told the parents that the children wouldn't be in pain and the concoction just tasted a little bitter. Unfortunately, we've came to find later that it was actually a very painful and fucked up way to die. fuck,
3: cyanide. One of the fucking worst ways to die, man.
2: It was not a peaceful, just going to sleep type of deal. No, it's awful. At
3: all. They say that being stabbed in the stomach is one of the worst ways to die. Really? Because it it takes like three days. I mean, it's just, like, off. Oh, see, now this is what happens with dark shit. It's fucking addictive. It's like tattoos and sour candy. You're like, this is awful. Oh, totally. Give me more. They say that drowning isn't so bad. but I don't know how anybody can actually report back on a lot of this stuff.
2: I feel like I would just, in a drowning situation, try to inhale a bunch of water because that would make it faster, you know. Just drown your lungs quick. It sounds like I've thought about suicide a lot based on a lot of what I'm saying. And I'm not going to lie, you guys. I have. Like, I've never thought about actually committing suicide, but suicidal ideation has definitely been a thing. So if you're ever feeling that, guess what? There are definitely internet resources. I'll put some down. And you're super not fucking alone. Yeah. Some days I think it's very human to just wake up and say, fuck, it would be easier not to do all of this today. Sure. So, you know, I just want to throw it out there. that I
3: get it this is such a hard subject, man. I guess just put it simply, just like hang out, please hang out, hang out, stay. Stay at the party, man. Stay. But also don't
2: think that you're crazy or that something's wrong with you if you do have suicidal ideation. Also, if you see a therapist and you tell them that you have suicidal ideation, they can't fucking commit you. If you say, hey, at 8 o'clock tonight, I'm going to go in my bathtub and slit my wrists, they're going to fucking commit you. But I just, I've had a friend with a misconception who was afraid to tell their therapist about having suicidal ideation. Hmm. And I was like, girl, they cannot commit you. you got to tell them that you're having these feelings oh, so
3: it's just so hard
2: that was a rough psa but i'm just gonna finish out this super bummer part before we take a break so that everybody can like just breathe for a minute so all of the children and babies which was around 200 of them and all of them in the settlement were killed first <sighs> Awful. so yeah it's not light in here right now no we're gonna go for a break
0: Learn more at managementconcepts.com. dot com. That's managementconcepts. dot com.
3: It is super bummer city, but you know what? This is one of the reasons why I always feel like I got to defend comedy to an extent because I have had on occasion, not a lot of my comedy is controversial and I, and I don't try to push buttons, but you know, there's a lot of buttons out there. <laughs> You're inevitably going to oh, push so one at some point. so many fucking buttons, dude. But I don't like try. I'm not like a shock or insult comic or whatever. But on the occasion that I've been criticized for a joke, it is often because people believe that if you are laughing at or about something, that it's a very simple you are mocking it. You're making fun of it or you're making light of it. And I think that's why people take offense when there are jokes made about very dark, scary, dangerous, serious topics because their instinct is like, if you laugh at that, you're not taking it seriously. And things like, a psychopath like Jim Jones duping, lying and manipulating hundreds, almost a thousand people into killing their own children and then themselves is not funny, right? But that is when I think humor can help because it isn't making light and it isn't mocking, but it is pointing out the ridiculousness and allowing people to see that these things, however dark and awful, are a part of our tapestry, the tapestry of our existence. Yeah. And that it doesn't, exclude things like joy and laughter from existence right there's a reason why you and I can laugh and make jokes and stuff throughout this subject but not about that moment of the dark scary you know because that moment is I'm not gonna make fun of, there's no jokes in that that bring me any joy but I can make fun of Jim Jones's fucking glasses and his doopy hair and his ugly shoes yeah and I should because fuck that guy yeah absolutely because he thought he was a god and the best thing you can fucking do to a person who thinks they're god is make fun of their ugly fucking hair and their stupid fucking shoes and their idiotic way of being
2: he's somehow (laughs) hearing this right now yeah
3: he's pissed Fuck that nerd good go fuck yourself
2: okay so let's get to wrapping this fucking shit show up yeah People were then encouraged to come forward to take the poison themselves. He continues to preach throughout the entire fucking thing about just how tired he is.
3: Talk about insult to injury. Just let us fucking die. If we're going to do this, just shut the fuck up. Uh, Just
2: shut up. Stop martyring yourself about how hard this has been for you. But. he's got them pretty fucking indoctrinated at this point though that they're like yes give me a fucking amen how he's talking about how he's tried so hard to give everyone a good life you hear people agreeing with him thanking him talking about being ready to lay down their lives with him you only really hear a few people arguing so those who did argue well those who tried to run and probably those who fucking argued because i'm guessing when their argument wasn't heard they tried to run were either stabbed with syringes filled with cyanide or shot by guards and then poisoned just to make sure you know yeah jesus the last thing you hear him say before the tape cuts off is can't some people assure these children of the relaxation of stepping over to the next plane they set an example for others we said one thousand people who said we don't like the way the world is take some. Take our life from us. We laid it down. We got tired. We didn't commit suicide. We committed an act of revolutionary suicide protesting the conditions of an inhumane world. Jesus. Fucking douchebag. I hate even saying his words.
3: It just makes you sick.
2: So, you know, this number has been contested a lot, but in total, 918 people were killed, which was the largest loss of U.S. lives prior to 9-11. People died at Jonestown of cyanide poisoning. Two were shot to death. Jones being one of them because he's a fucking pussy and knew that cyanide sucked. He was like, I'm not trying to do that. You don't have enough ammo to shoot 900 people to death, which is hopefully an easier way to go. But so this motherfucker has somebody shoot him before he dies. Five people killed at the airstrip and four additional people who were at the temple's in town headquarters in Georgetown, which is also in Guyana. They killed one and in- another, the four of them. Jesus. So yeah, 918 people.
3: But there were survivors, yes? I mean, not just the ones on the plane. I know we have the tapes, but didn't some people escape?
2: Here I come. <gasps> Here I come with an answer to your question, Brody. Don't
3: you love that? I mean, it's rare, but I got answers. Gimme.
2: I got answers Give for this. Me. Three Temple members, Tim Carter and his brother Mike Carter and Mike Prokes, were given luggage containing both U.S. and Guyanese currency to deliver to the Soviet embassy in Guyana. So they escaped the poisoning. Tim Carter watched his son and wife be poisoned first. He reported laying down with them as they died and holding them and then fled.
3: Whoa. yes. So
2: I guess by that point, like everybody was dead or I don't know why he maybe he played dead. I don't know. I mean, it was 900 people, you know, so. Sure. So I guess they were maybe still sort of on a Russian mission or I don't know. Mark Lane and Charles Gary, two lawyers that had been employed by Jones for the temple, snuck past two settlement guards and went through the jungle and made it to Port Kaituma where they heard the gunshots from the nearby, you know, thing that was happening. Yikes. Two older temple members survived by hiding. 79-year-old Grover Davis missed the meeting and fearing he'd be punished, laid down in a ditch to hide and then played dead. <laughs>
3: Oh Jeez.
2: Could you believe that? You're like, I'm late to the meeting. He's going to be fucking pissed. Yeah. I don't want to get yelled at. Not, I don't want to get murdered. No.
3: Let's keep this story in our back pocket the next time we're feeling bad for not being on time to shit.
2: I have a habit of being one to five minutes late to everything and it's embarrassing and I'm trying to...
3: But see, if you were this guy, it could have saved your life, man. Like
2: Don said, you win some, you lose some.
3: Grover fucking won though. Way to go, Grove.
2: 76-year-old Hyacinth Thrash hid under her bed until the attacks were over. Mm-hmm. Two of Jones's son, Jim Jr. and Steven, survived that day because they were away playing basketball in another town. Oh. One like, thing they did have that was kind of fun, but I think only a few people got to play. I don't really know what the deal is. But they had a basketball team.
3: That's super interesting to me that his two sons would have been away. I mean, granted, though, th- this seemed to be sort of a last minute thing. He was obviously planning. I'm poisoning everybody because the cyanide didn't arrive overnight. But this whole thing with the senator escalated quickly and got out of hand quickly. So I can see how he probably, the cyanide, the whole plan was to kill everybody all at the same time. But uh, his sons happened to be out playing basketball.
2: So he had seven kids. So that's why I can't keep track of who the fuck was, you know, doing custody battles with who. And But the thing is, is that Jones was like, you guys need to get your asses back here. Like, shit's going down. And the sons were like, hmm. I'm not. I don't think so.
3: Playing basketball is like the only fun thing.
2: Yeah, this is the only fun thing we have to do. That sounds like shenanigans. I don't really feel like coming back. And Marceline really didn't want them to come back either because I'm guessing at least one of them was hers. She was actually relieved that they did not come back because of this basketball game. And some other members escaped into the jungle. One member, Leslie Wagner-Wilson, strapped her three-year-old son to her back during the congressman's visit and fled into the jungle. And Odell Rhodes, who had been a Vietnam veteran experiencing homelessness, who joined the temple and moved to Guyana, ended up escaping into the jungle during the mass murder suicide. Yikes. So out of 900, a few were able to lay dead and run into the jungle but pretty much everybody died the event was highly covered by the media and it was the main story in many magazines and articles for months obviously in a poll done in february 1979 98 percent of americans said that they had heard of or were familiar with the story oh yeah
3: hard to forget yeah so
2: we're gonna take one more quick commercial break and then wrap up this shit show saga of bananasness Okay, you guys, we're back. So the U.S. State Department was criticized and actually criticized itself, took some ownership over its handling of Jonestown and allowing it to get that far and essentially happen. The Guyanese prime minister was found culpable for what happened in Jonestown by his political opponents in Guyana as he'd allowed them to come into the country and turned a blind eye toward their struggles. Mm. Remember, because he was like, yeah, pay me the rent. You guys do whatever you want. Senator Ryan's daughter helped to found the Cult Awareness Network that was designed at trying to stop cults and deprogram survivors. Great. The Cult Awareness Network. I mean, it sounds absolutely like they started with good intentions, but it did not end up that way. And they eventually disbanded. That's his whole own fucking episode. All right. Actually, not good stuff. Okay. Cult Awareness Network. Sounds great. Not, Not great at all. All covered one of these days, you guys. All right. Ooh, intrigue. I know, but secrets. Ooh. All of the bodies had to be brought out of Guyana to the U.S. The government had asked to bury the bodies in Guyana, but the Guyanese government said no. So back in the U.S., families struggled to identify their loved ones Aww. and get them back or buried. Yeah, I mean, it was an absolute fucking mess. Aww. Also, they had to pay $450 of their own money as a transport fee to get at the bodies from Delaware at Dover Air Force Base. Ugh. So most of these people couldn't fucking afford to do this. No. Remember, these are relatives of, of lower socioeconomic status. You know, they, they don't have that kind of fucking money lying around.
3: Painful, and like, you don't have the money, but you can't be like, nah, let, let them rot out in the jungle. Like, you can't do that either. It's such a painful thing to have to face, oh God. And you're mad, and let's be honest, you're not feeling great about your relative. This has nothing to do with whether or not you treat their remains with respect, But you've probably been among the people that for the last number of months have been trying to get in touch and not knowing. And Not months. Years. Some. Yeah, years. Ugh. Just awful. What an awful fucking story.
2: And just having probably this feeling the whole time in the pit of your stomach that you know that it's not going to end well, that one day you're going to get a knock on your door saying, hey, the son you've been worrying about for the last couple of years. Yeah, he's dead. Ugh.
3: And if this is all over the news, you know that it was all over the news long before you got any kind of kind, personal notification from anybody. It's not like they died in a military thing. You know your relative was in Jonestown and all of a sudden. Oh, true. There's just all these pictures of all these fucking sad, bloated bodies out in the middle of the jungle. And you're like, oh, my. Oh. Right? I mean, I'm sure that's how a lot of people were known. I didn't even fucking think about that.
2: No, I think you're absolutely right. That's probably how most people found out was through the fucking news, which we talked about in last episode. A hotline was established to call in to identify family members from pictures that were shown. And by April 1979, only 300 bodies had been claimed. 200 were decomposed and couldn't be identified and the remaining nearly 500 had not been claimed. This is fucking fucked. Many cemeteries refused to accept bodies of Jonestown victims because they looked at them as cult or Suicide people, mm-hmm. and they're like, no, you're not desecrating our grounds with those fucking bastards. So, four hundred victims ended up being buried in a mass grave at Evergreen Cemetery in California. Mm. No one wanted Jim Jones's body desecrating their cemeteries either, so he was cremated and put in the ocean,
3: which rude hey. is desecrating the ocean. Yeah, that's not fair. It's kind of dignified. Yeah, put in a latrine, throw in a dump.
2: Yeah. So there's like some pretty crazy shit that happened after two. Al and John Mills, who co-founded the Concerned Relatives Group that had brought Congressman Ryan to Jonestown, were found shot execution style in their home in 1980. Yuck. Mike Prokes, one of the three men sent on the errand the day of the killing, died by suicide after a press conference in 1979, just four months after the Jonestown massacre. Whoa. In 1984, Tyrone Mills, who'd lost both of his parents and five brothers and sisters at Jonestown, fired on students at a Los Angeles elementary school from his apartment, killing two and Jeez injuring 12
3: fuck. before
2: taking his own life. Yeah, we're ending on a pretty heavy note, but Jesus Christ, it's just, yeah, that's how uh, this went. because
3: trauma and pain begets trauma and pain. It's so painful. It's just a cycle.
2: According to a Time magazine article, quote, an entire generation of black wealth, as well as black leaders, teachers, lawyers, business owners, and mentors in San Francisco and Los Angeles were lost that day in Jonestown. Mm. The Fillmore neighborhood of San Francisco, which at the time was a predominantly black neighborhood, was devastated. Larry Layton, one of Jones's closest followers, was convicted in 1986 on the conspiracy of Ryan's murder as he helped Jones to orchestrate the actual killings at the airstrip. Wow. He was released in 2002, and he is to date the only person who has ever been held criminally responsible for what happened that day. Wow. The settlement at Jonestown no longer stands. Fire destroyed most of the buildings in the 80s, and people in Guyana were superstitious of what happened there and allowed the jungle to reclaim the area where the settlement once stood. Oh, yeah. I'd feel pretty fucking superstitious, too, dude. Yeah. I, I'm I, not superstitious, but I'm a little stitious. I'm a, I got sti- I got some stitches. I'd be pretty stitious about this.
3: Yeah. If you've got like all of the beautiful expanse of the northern portion of South America and you were like, let's go to where all those people committed suicide. I'd be like, Mm-mm. I'd yeah, like to see the like howling monkeys maybe a horseback ride along the beach. I'm sure there's some waterfalls. Let's do those things.
2: Okay, no, I'm weird. I might want to go, actually. I was, I was on a different page than you. You can
3: get a different bus.
2: Yeah, no, we are not going on vacation together. You're not joining my cult. It's fine. I'm not going
3: anywhere with you. Are you kidding me? <laughs>
2: No, I know. It's whatever. Whatever, Don. I would keep you safe. Hold on. Hold on. There's one thing that's not fun, but it's okay. Then we can talk about our fun. Sadly, survivors to this day struggle with being heard and having the stories of the actual victims be told. So I'm really glad that we did a deep dive like this. In the early 2000s, two playwrights traveled the country gathering stories from Jonestown survivors and debuted a very successful play in 2005 called The People's Temple about those stories. Ultimately, critical reviews wanted more of Jim Jones to be featured. And this has been the issue that many survivors face, that people only want to hear about Jones and that day. This
3: has been fun! What fun we've had. Well, yeah, that's the problem with these dynamic and charismatic leaders. I mean, it's what the History Channel did. God bless them. I love the History Channel. They employ me. They're the best. But they were rightfully called the Hitler Channel for about a decade. Because anytime you turned on the History Channel, it was some beautifully produced Amazing World War II. But then it was like, we don't even want to talk about World War II. We want to talk about Hitler. We're just obsessed with this guy. And we can say, at the, we can always say he's bad at the same time we talk about him. But it is this power. You can't have a 24 hour history channel talking about the same dude and not walk away consciously or subconsciously feeling like that dude was a big deal. And a big deal is all that matters to some people. Good and bad is subjective. But a big deal is obvious. You know what I mean? Were they evil? Were they good? These are things that people debate. But nobody debates that he was a big deal, made history, changed everything, influenced all these things. And that impresses people and makes them want to be like them. And so, yeah, there is. It's not like it's just harmless to be like, yeah, do the whole play about Jim Jones. It's still a cautionary tale. It's like, hmm.
2: Okay, you know what's fucking crazy that you said about that though? Hmm. Because you brought it back to Hitler, who we said Jones obviously fucking
3: took some pages out of whose book? Hitler's, well, who committed suicide in a sad little bunker with his wife. Hitler. Mm, And Jim Jones. And Jim Jones. Both of them? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. See, uh, moral of the story fuck both of them. Mm -hmm. I actually have to go because I have therapy. which I highly recommend that everybody do if you have access. So Dawn, it's been so fucking real. I love so you. So real,
3: love you too. That was joyful and awful. All the best things. All at once.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, that's life. I mm-hmm. think you can experience a lot at once.
3: It was a delight. I'm so glad you invited me to do this. Thank you.
2: Thanks for coming.
3: <sighs> Speaking of coming,
2: make sure that you go listen to Dawn's podcast, History I'd Like to fuck. Uh, uh, uh. So I'm just gonna say Thanks for listening you guys This has been a bummer But I hope you learned a lot Because I feel like there was a lot to be learned And Don is a history major And threw in some pretty cool extra stuff Anyways, I'm so tired We gotta go Thanks for being here We'll see you next time For another season of That's So Fucked Up Presents But I'm not gonna tell you what it is You just have to wait TSFUthepodcast.com And Don brody b-r-o-d-e-y.com find us both find us all good night and good luck
3: bye that's so fucked
0: up that's so fucked up so fucked up that's so fucked up